Well, I guess I might as well comment on that money tree also. Do not partake of the fruit thereof. It's for Danielle and Anthony. <clears throat> Anyways, that the, it's back there in the fellowship hall. And if you'd like to tie some money on there, uh, one of the things that we would like like for you to also do is take a sheet of paper that's back there and write some advice for them. It can be humorous or it can be serious. Roll that up in the money and then tie it on the tree. And you hear that buzzing? That's the force field around that tree. So don't pick it or you'll... <clears throat> Alright, I believe most of us in this room have had things happen in our lives that have made us very unhappy. And sometimes that, that unhappiness seems to last a lot longer than it should. But usually, in most cases, we get over that unhappiness and move on with life. But there are some people that sometimes they become unhappy. And it becomes a habit where they're unhappy and everyone around them is going to be unhappy. I looked at a couple of articles this past week dealing with unhappiness and what makes people unhappy and why some people are addicted to that particular activity of being unhappy. You see, I believe God put us here on this earth and He tells us that there's going to be troubles, there's going to be problems, there's going to be trials, and we need to be patient. But I believe also that He wants us to enjoy life while we're here. That He's given us things that protects us and shows us what to avoid and what to be involved with. And when we obey God, there's peace that passeth all understanding. And it brings joy to our heart. And as we see in this Psalm, uh, Psalms 27, it's a psalm by David. And you can see that in David's life, there were many obstacles that he had to face. He had enemies. He had foes. He had darkness. He had troubles. He had war. All of those things are mentioned in that psalm. But if you notice, he keeps looking beyond the psalm or those, those situations and he sees the hope that God gives to him. And I hope that all of us can see that hope that God offers us. And that with Him it is possible. Because look what it says there in verse 13. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Sometimes we give up and sometimes we stay in that pattern of unhappiness because we can't see the joy of the Lord. We can't see the future. We can't see something good. And I know that there's a lot of things in this world that can make us very unhappy. And we have a choice whether we can dwell on those things or we can dwell on some of the good things that we see out there. And too often, all we see is the negative. This morning, I want us to look at why people are addicted to unhappiness. And maybe you can examine your life and ask yourself, do these things pertain to me? And these are things that I've seen in the articles that i read about unhappy people and why they have those thoughts and why they are in that state. And to start off with, they kind of look at life in a negative way. 
Unhappy people tend to see life as hard. And sometimes life is hard, but they see themselves as victims. You know, why me? Why does this happen to ha- have to happen to me? And, you know, am I the only one that this happens to? And you know, when there's 7 billion people on this planet, the odds are pretty good that you're not the only person that's going through what you're going through. But sometimes we feel like the victim. It's all about me. Happy people experience hardships, but they tend to bounce back. We realize that bad things happen in our lives, but we look to the future. We look for the hope that we can find in Christ. And that's what we see in this psalm where David is always pointing to God and how God protects him. In Proverbs chapter 24, verse 16, it says, For a just man falleth seven times and riseth up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. What's he saying? Good people, just people, righteous people, they fall down and they get up. Why? Because they realize, for one, this world isn't the end of it. We realize that there's a place that's prepared for us and at the end of this life, if we've been found faithful, we're going to have that home there. But we also realize that bad things come to pass. Now think about that phrase, they come to pass. They come and they're going to go away. They're not going to stay. And so when we get down, we can get up. And when we get down, we can get back up. And we can keep doing that over and over and over. It's like that baby learning to walk. They fall down, they get up again, and they just keep doing it until they master it. Well, we may never master uh, happiness to the point where we're never unhappy. That'll happen when we get to heaven. But in this life, we're going to fall. And the big difference is that happy people persist in finding solutions. You know, something bad happens. How do we fix this? How can I get through this? How am I going to get to past this problem? In James chapter 1 and verse 12, it says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, for when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. You see, we can sit there and look at life and say, oh, nothing, I'm never going to get beyond this. Or we can look for a solution. We can look for how to fix the problem. And with God, there's always a way to fix the problem. And it isn't that trials don't exist or they're milder for the happier person. The difference is the happy person endures and they work through it. You see, salvation comes to those who persist. In Romans chapter 2 and verse 7, to them who by patient continuance in well-doing seek for glory and honor and immortality, eternal life. You see, we look as Christians, we look for life eternal. We realize that that goal is out there. But we also realize that in this life we're going to fail. We're going to sin. There's things that's going to happen. We're going to make mistakes. We're not looking to do those things, but they happen in our lives. And the Bible even tells us that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. And so if you think somebody that's a Christian is going to live a perfect life, we're not. The only thing that makes us perfect is the blood of Christ. And so when we sin, we get up and we we endure. We get We get over it. We ask God's forgiveness and we move on. Now we can sit and we can dwell on that sin that we've committed. 
or we can move on. Which one? Which sounds better? Think about Paul. The Apostle Paul was an individual who persecuted the church. He he delivered people to be put to death. He consented to their death. He said. He caused them to blaspheme. He did all of those things, and yet God forgave him when he obeyed the gospel. When Ananias said, Why tarriest thou arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord? That's exactly what he did, and that past was washed away. Now, Paul could have sat there and said, Oh, look what I've done. Look how awful I've been. Now, he does look back sometimes. Now, when he looks back, what does he say? I was the chief, or I am the chief of sinners. But God forgave him. And so we can dwell on our mistakes or we can move on, put them behind us and look forward to that endurance that we do in order to have that home with God in the, in, in, in the hereafter. You see, trials in this life build character and they build us and help us to be stronger as Christians. In Romans chapter 5, verses 1-5, through Therefore, being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom also we have access by faith unto into His grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. And not only so, but we glory in tribulation also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You see, those trials are there for a purpose. They're there for a reason. They can help us to become stronger. You see, sometimes we think that we're strong. Sometimes we think that we can endure a lot of things. But when the going gets tough, sometimes we want to give up. Because it's not as easy as we thought it would be. And sometimes those trials can make us stronger. Sometimes we find just our weakness. We see what was wrong in our life. Why we are not as strong. Or we don't have the faith that we thought we had. And we can work on that. And we can endure and get up and try again. That's really what the Christian life is about. is trying again. Trying to live a faithful life. Happy people hang on to hope. That's what Paul was saying there in Romans. He tells us in Romans chapter 12 and verse 12, rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. How many of us rejoice in hope? You see, when it going gets tough, sometimes we don't see the hope. I think there's a lot of people in our world today that they don't under, they don't they don't even feel that there's any hope. They don't see the beauty of God. They don't see the beauty of his word. And many people turn away from God and turn away from His Word, turn away from the church. Why? Because they see that more as their problem. And the problem is, the person doesn't want to align their life with what God wants them to do. And so we get rid of God. We get rid of His Word. We get rid of the church. And we're going to worship... We think we're going to worship God the way we want to worship. I'm going to do what I want. And by faith, I just think that God's going to accept it. Well, you know, faith has to be based upon God's Word. And if God tells us that certain things aren't accepted, if I'm doing those things, and He tells me that if I'm doing those things, I'm not going to inherit eternal life, then guess what? It may feel good here. It may bring joy and a smile on my face when I'm doing those things. 
but it's not going to get me home in heaven. We have hope. And that hope leads us to follow God and trust Him. Another point that I read was unhappy people focus on what's wrong in the world and thus miss what's right with the world. It's easy to find fault with people. In James chapter 4, verses 11 through 12, it says, Speak not evil one, one of another, brethren. He that speaketh evil of his brother and judgeth his brother, speaketh evil of the law and judgeth the law. But if thou judge the law, thou art not a doer of the law, but a judge. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who art thou that judgeth another? You know, sometimes it's so easy to just look at, at, at people and find their fault instead of looking for the good in their life. I mean, how many of us had a parent that said, if you can't say something good about someone, then don't say anything at all. I had one of those parents. I'm sure many here had one of those parents. But how many of us heed that advice? You know, we're critical of everything and everybody. And that's not what we should be because we all have flaws and things that need, that we need to improve on, but the unhappy searches them out and then ignore the good that they can see in other people. You know, how many people can tell you what's wrong with the church? How many people can tell you what's right with the church? That's what's important. Happy people focus on the good in people. In Ephesians chapter 4, verses 29 through 32, it says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good and to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. You think about what the Lord wants us to concentrate on. He wants us to look at the good things. He wants us to look at the good in other people. And many times that's why people are lost and they stay in that condition. Because sometimes Christians look at those individuals and they can only see what's wrong with them, what they're doing is wrong, and they're like, ooh, I don't want to have anything to do with that. And they forget that that person has a soul that needs to be saved. In times we're like Simon. Oh, you know, if you knew who was touching you, you wouldn't let her do that. That's the way we are sometimes. Ooh, that's a sinner. Well, guess what? That sinner has a soul. And God sees the good in their life that they can have the potential. And therefore, we need to see that good. The question is, do we? You know, sometimes we can say that we're happy, but sometimes we have some of those traits that we're talking about. It doesn't mean that we're unaware of the sin in the person's life, but we work to improve that person. We work to help that individual to overcome the faults in their life. You see, the negative view of other people sometimes spills over into other areas of our lives. Because unhappy people, many times, they don't trust other people. They don't trust people around them. In Titus chapter 1, and verse 15, 
one of themselves. Even the prophets of their own said, the Cretans are always liars, evil beasts, slow bellies. So that's what they said about their own people. What do we say about each other? How many of us trust our brothers and sisters in Christ? Should we? Yes, we should. We see people in the world, sometimes it's tended to our own attitude. We need to change our attitudes and realize that there are souls that need to be saved. Unhappy people are many times unhappy because of envy and jealousy. They think another person's good fortune steals from their own fortune. And we see that a lot in this world today. And we see a lot of unhappy people. Watch the news and you'll see unhappy people. You got it. I think I should have it. And so I'm jealous of you. You should just give it to me. In Galatians chapter 5 and verse 26, let us not be desirous of vain glory, provoking one another, envying one another. And sometimes it becomes self feeding. It's all about me once again. In 1 Timothy chapter 6, verses 3 through 5, it says, If any man teach otherwise and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof come envy, strife, railings, evil surmising, uh, perverse uh, disputing of men's of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw yourselves. What's he saying? There are some people, don't even go around. Stay away from them. Because they're going to bring you down. You don't need to be jealous. You don't need to be envious. Be content with what you've been blessed with. If you want more, work for it. Strive for it. But don't forsake God for it. You know that rich fool who had a plentiful harvest? He said, where am I going to put it? This is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and I'll build bigger barns. And I'll say to my soul, my soul, thou hast much goods laid up for many years. Take thine ease, eat, drink, and be merry. What did God say? Thou fool, this night thy soul shall be required of thee. Then whose shall those things be which thou hast provided? You see, sometimes we get caught up in all the stuff and what other people have, and we forget the most important thing in our own life, and that is our relationship with God. We don't need to compare ourselves with someone else. As Paul tells us in 2 Corinthians chapter 10 and verse 12, for we dare not make ourselves of a number or compare ourselves with some that commend themselves, but they measuring themselves by themselves and comparing themselves among themselves are not wise. We shouldn't look at each other and say, oh, they've got more than I've got. I want to be like them. Or I'm better than someone else. No, we shouldn't do that. If you want to compare yourself to someone, compare yourself to Jesus Christ. I guarantee you every single one of us, myself included, when we compare our life to Jesus Christ, can always find some improvement that we need to make in our lives. Because Jesus was perfect. And there's not a person in this room that was perfect. Jesus was perfect. Compare yourself to Him. Don't look around and say, oh, look what they got. Why can't I have it? Look at what God's blessed you with and be thankful. Unhappy people 
are trying to elevate themselves and their own self-worth in the eyes of others. In Proverbs chapter 25 and verse 27, it tells us it is not good to eat much honey, so for men to search their own glory is not glory. Don't, don't toot your own horn. The praise should come from someone else. In Proverbs chapter 27 and verse 2, let another man praise thee, and not thy own mouth, a stranger, and not thy own lips. The wise man tells us here, you know, don't toot your own horn. Let somebody else do that. And and by the way, don't go tell that person to toot your horn for you. If you're doing good, someone's going to notice it. You don't have to go around saying, look at me. Look at how good I am. And I'm better than so-and-so. Oh, you're better than Christ? I think not. Happy people know that there are many people that are not worth comparing themselves to. In fact, in Psalm chapter 37 and verse 1, David says, Fret not thyself because of evildoers, neither be thou envious against the workers of iniquity. In Proverbs chapter 23 and verse 17, Let not thy heart envy sinners, but be thou in the fear of the Lord all the day long. You know, sometimes young people look out there and they see all their friends doing things that they're not allowed to do or they shouldn't be doing, and they're doing things that really they shouldn't be doing either. And they get jealous and they envy that and they want to know, why can't we do those things? You hear people sometimes in the church wonder, why can't we change the assembly? Why can't we do what everybody else is doing out there? Don't be envious of those that are doing something that's wrong. Don't follow that example. Follow those that are doing what's right. As Paul said, follow Him as He followed Christ. Proverbs chapter 24 and verse 1, Be not envious against evil men, neither desire to be with them. Don't envy the violent. In Proverbs chapter 3 and verse 31, Envy thou not the oppressor, and choose none of his ways. You see, there are some things that we don't want to follow. We don't want to be envious of. We don't want to be jealous of. Because you follow those kind of examples, it's going to get you in trouble. It's going to get you in trouble with God. And that's what really counts. The next problem with chronic unhappiness is trying to control things that we cannot control. You see, people or happy people have goals and objectives. But they also realize that they have little control over those goals and objectives. They realize that things can happen, things can go wrong, that there may be challenges. And so they can adapt or they're flexible because they know that they're not in control of life. And sometimes we need to be reminded that we're not in control of our lives either. God's the one that's in control. You see, there's no one in this room that's guaranteed that we're going to get up tomorrow. In fact, we're not even guaranteed that we'll be here the next minute. So we're not really in as much control as we think we are. Proverbs chapter 16 and verse 1, the preparation of the heart of man in man of the 
the preparation of the heart in man and the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. Verse 9, it says, A man's heart deviseth his ways, but the Lord directeth his steps. You see, God can end it anytime He so chooses. There could be a challenge rise up in our life, a trial in our life that is difficult that we face that we weren't expecting. That we have to work through. And sometimes when people they see that they, they, they have their plan, this is what I'm going to do here, 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 and sometimes it's always this is what I'm going to do in this stage of life and this stage of life, they don't know what's going to happen in that stage of life. They become ill. They could lose their job. There's lots of things that could happen that could change their plans. But unhappy people try to control every aspect. And anything that causes that to change becomes a reason for them to be upset. We need to recognize what James tells us that we're not in control. In James chapter 4, verses 13 through 16, go to now ye that say today or tomorrow we will go into such a city and continue there a year and buy and sell and get game. Whereas we know not what shall be on the morrow, for what is your life? It is even a vapor that appeareth for a little time and then vanisheth away. For that ye ought to say, if the Lord's will, we shall live and do this or that. But now ye rejoice in your boasting. All such rejoicing is evil. What's James telling us? Life is short. Life is uncertain. We have no promise of tomorrow. We are not in control of everything. There are some things we can control, but there are some things that are totally out of our control. Happy people also worry about the future. They worry about the next hour, the next day, the next year, the next ten years, the next, the next uh, generation. What's going to happen? Oh, we've got to be concerned. Unhappy people feel their thought, or fill their thoughts with what might go wrong. Happy people tend to think about what might go right. And sure, life has its down points. But enjoy what you can. As the psalmist said in Psalms 30 and verse 5, weeping may endure for a night, but joy cometh in the morning. In other words, these things are going to happen to us, but joy can come the next day. We can have joy. We can look forward to it. In Ecclesiastes 11, verses 8-10, through 10, it says, But if a man live many years and rejoice in them all, yet let him remember that the days of darkness, for they shall be many... All that cometh is vanity. Rejoice, O young man, in thy youth, and let thy heart cheer thee in the days of thy youth, and walk in the ways of thy heart, and in the sight of thine eyes. But know thou that for all these things God will bring thee into judgment. Therefore remove sorrow from thy heart, and put away evil from thy flesh, for childhood and youth are vanity. In other words, that youth is going to go away. We're going to grow older if we live. We're going to grow older. And before long, life's going to be over with. We're going to look back and we're going to say, where did it go? And you may look back and you can say how happy of occasions that you were, that you had, but also remember that there were some valleys there. There were some dark moments. There were some difficult times. What did you learn from those things? How did they help you? 
What did you do with them? You see, we realize there's going to be trials and there's going to be difficulties. But with God's help, we can overcome. And if we focus on the worries of this world, those worries can choke out what's really important in our life. Jesus tells us that in the parable of the sower. In Matthew chapter 13 and verse 22, He says, He also that receives seed among the thorns is He that heareth the Word. And the care of this world and the deceitfulness of riches choked the Word and He became unfruitful. You see, a Christian can become so concerned about the world that they forget what's most important and that's the Word of God. That's what's really important, the Word of God. And how God wants us to live, not according to what we want, but what God wants. And we can have joy and happiness doing that. And true happiness comes when we trust that God will take care of us. Now think about what He said in the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6. Beginning in verse 25, He says, Therefore I say unto you, Take no thought for your life what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? <clears throat> Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not. Neither do they reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking thought can add one cubic unto his statue? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field. How they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all of his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall He not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? Or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought of the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Jesus is telling us, don't allow the cares of this world, just even the daily necessities, to choke out the good things. God will take care of us. And sometimes He uses other people to do that. But how many Christians do we know that are starving, running around naked because they don't have any clothes, and they're starving because they have no food? God's people takes care of God's people. That's what we're supposed to do. That's God's plan. God loves us. He cares for us. And so don't worry about the future. May not even be here to see what's going to happen. And then finally, living in the past. Unhappy people mentally live in the past. Conversations revolve around all that's gone wrong in their past. Sometimes when I'm talking to someone, then they're just over and over and over. You go visit that person and over and over and over, you hear every bad thing that's ever happened. I remember one time I said, was there anything good that's ever happened? Yeah, but... And then they go right back to those other things. They have a habit. They're addicted to being unhappy. When they run out of things to talk about, then they grumble about the situations of life and then people. 
Philippians chapter 2, verses 14 through 16. Do all things without murmuring and disputing, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation, among whom ye shine as lights in the world, holding forth the word of life, that I may rejoice in the day of Christ, that I have not run in vain, neither labored in vain. What's Paul saying? Paul's telling us don't grumble, don't mumble, don't don't murmur about life. There's plenty that God has done for us that we can be thankful for. If you're unhappy, I suggest sit down and count your blessings. Look what God has done for you. How He's blessed you. How He's helped you. You know, sometimes we forget the people around us. We just center on ourselves. And if it wasn't for those people around us, we would be lost. And I'm not talking spiritually lost. I'm just talking we wouldn't know what to do. And sometimes we forget those people. That they're a blessing. But imagine if they're Christians. A Christian is a tremendous blessing if they're living the way they should. So don't look at people and say, well, life's awful. and In the past, it's been awful. Nothing ever good happened. I've been sick most of my life. Maybe you have. But you can get up. And you can look forward to the good. Because there's a place that if you're a Christian and you're faithful, there's a place that you're going to go to where there is no pain, where there is no sickness, where there is no dying. And so you have so much that you could be thankful for. And if you're not a Christian, I would encourage you to think about that and become one today. But we need to forget what's behind. Because happy people tend to focus on the future and what can improve in the future. In Philippians chapter 3, verses 12 through 14, what's it say? Not as though as I've already attained, neither were already perfect, but I follow after, if that I have approached that for which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth into those things which are before, I press toward the mark of the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. This was written by the individual who had persecuted the church. He made havoc of the church is what it says in Acts chapter 8. But what does he say? I put all of that behind me and I press forward. I'm looking ahead. I know I haven't apprehended it yet, but I have the hope that I'm going to get there. And I'm pressing. I'm pushing. I'm reaching. I want to get to that goal. What about you? Is that the attitude that you have? You see, to reach that goal, we have to be patient. We have to trust God. Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart and lean not on thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge Him and He shall direct thy paths. When we trust God, He'll lead us in the right way through His Word. And we trust Him that if we follow Him, we're going to be on that straight and narrow road that leads to life eternal. Are you on that road? Are you happy to be on that road? You see, I don't, I don't see how you can be on that road to heaven and be an unhappy person. Be a miserable person. Because there's so much joy that awaits us that we all should be singing as we go. 
Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, And we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. You see, all of those bad things that happen in our lives, God can make good come out of it. It may not be the answer that you would like. It may not take you where you want to go. But there's always good that will come from it. And I'll be so bold to say that even if you cannot see the good, I guarantee you that the good is there. You may not want to acknowledge it. You may not see it. You may not recognize it. But if God said it can be good, it will be good. And so I ask you, and I can tell you, are you ready? Are you happy? There's no guarantees that life that you'll have a life without problems. No Christian is going to have a life without problems. If Christians were uh, void of problems, everybody would be a Christian. But as we read in the Bible, we can see where people had challenges. They had difficulties. God realizes that and He's there to help us. And He wants to help you. You may look back at your past and you can see a sinful situation. And maybe you haven't taken care of it the way that God has prescribed. Jesus said to go into all the world and preach the Gospel to every creature. That Gospel message is the fact that Jesus died for our sins, that He was buried, and that He arose victorious on the third day. That's according to 1 Corinthians 15, chapter verses 1-4. through we take that Gospel out into the world. We see that Gospel preached on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. And when they seen what, had been, what was taught and when they heard that message, they cried out, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Peter said, Repent and be baptized, every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sin, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. When we look at Paul's conversion... We can see there where Ananias came in to Paul, or Saul at the time, and said, Why tarryest thou? Arise and be baptized, and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. You see, when we obey the Gospel, when we're buried with our Lord in baptism, we're calling on God to do what He's promised that He would do, and that is to wash away our sins and remember them against us no more. You can have that happen today. And you can put that past behind you, and you can move forward. But it doesn't mean you're going to have a perfect life. It doesn't mean you're even going to have a sinless life. Because God's made a way and a provision for those who have been unfaithful to make things right. When we confess our sin to Him, He's faithful and just to forgive us when we repent. And so this morning, if there's a need that you have, if you would like to be baptized into Christ, maybe you're a Christian and you're struggling and you need our help, we're here to help you. And if there's any other need that you may have, you can come up and have a seat up here on the front row as together we stand and sing.